Hey everyone. As we continue to journey through an unprecedented season with both challenges and opportunities, with frustrations and disruptions that we can all relate to, I think it's helpful to remember something that God himself said that's captured in Jeremiah 32. He says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? I don't know if you've ever thought about how you would answer that question before this moment now, but I wonder how you would. Lots of people wonder what God can and can't do, especially in seasons like this. Some have even come up with questions that are kind of intriguing, like, can God make a rock so big that he can't pick up? That's a good one. But the answer to that question is no. Not because of an issue of ability, but an issue of character. See, God doesn't do anything outside of his character. He can't do anything outside his character. And, and to create a rock so big that he can't pick it up would be outside of that character. He is the God of all flesh. There is nothing too difficult for him, but he functions consistently with who he is. So the answer to that question about the rock is no. And the answer to the question that he asks, captured in Jeremiah, is also no. He says that he is the Lord God Almighty, God of all flesh, God of all humanity. He is creator and redeemer. He is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine in any complexity, even if we don't understand, even if we can't make sense of what's happening around us. It reminds me of a story of a young soldier and his commanding officer who were traveling together. The two boarded a train and the only seats available were across from a young woman and her grandmother. They sat down and engaged the ladies in conversation and it didn't take long for everyone in the group to realize there was an obvious mutual attraction between the young man and the young woman. As the train continued down the track, it entered into a tunnel and it sent the train car into complete darkness. Immediately, two sounds were heard. First, the sound of a kiss, followed by the sound of a slap across someone's face. Right away, the grandmother thought to herself, I cannot believe that young man kissed my granddaughter, but I'm glad she gave him the slap he deserved. The young woman thought to herself, I am so glad he kissed me, but I wish my grandmother hadn't slapped him for doing it. The commanding officer thought to himself, I don't blame the boy for kissing the girl, but I wish she had not missed him and hit me instead. And as the train carnered back into the sunlight, the young soldier couldn't help but smile. He had managed to kiss the pretty girl, slap his commanding officer, and get away with both. <laughs> Why do I tell that story? Well, besides it's good to once in a while blow the dust off of one of the greatest jokes of all time, and in this season, I think we can use a laugh, I think the story is also fitting, because I think it starts to put some context to how many people are feeling in this season as they're trying to make sense of what they're hearing and sensing. They're trying to navigate the complexities of this season where they are seeing and hearing things, but not able to understand. And in that space, trying to put the pieces together, asking questions like, is this good or is this bad? Is this person safe or are they a risk? What about my loved ones? Are they okay? Who's sick now? And who is going to be sick next? Am, am, am I next? I think in the midst of all of that complexity, a silly story just might create a space of pause and room to breathe and to be reminded of a truth that even when we don't understand, even when we're responding to the actions or inactions of those around us, 
even when we're struggling to make sense of what's happening around us, God is not struggling. He sees, he knows, and nothing is too hard for him. Nothing. In fact, he is good. He is good. Now, I don't know what kind of week you have had. I don't know what's ahead for you in the days, in the coming week. But whether you're sitting at home or tuning in online or leaning in from afar, I want you to know that even if we can't, he can. Even if we don't, he does. And even if we won't, he will. Because nothing is too hard for him. See, even if we can't see, even if we can't move, even if we can't make sense of what's happening around us, or even if we can't heal, he can. God can. Even if we don't believe, even if we don't understand, even if we don't see him in this season, he does, he sees. Even when we don't believe in ourselves, he believes in us. He believes in you. And even if we won't trust or risk or sacrifice, he will. He has because he loves. You know, our hope in any season of difficulty or complexity, actually any season at all, is him, the Lord God of all flesh. It's in a someone, not a something. A someone for whom nothing is too hard. A someone who consistently works good. You see, Jesus, by his life and death, and resurrection. His death on a cross, his emptying of a tomb, creates a space for something better, something good. He creates space for a better word. Uh, life instead of death. Uh, new instead of broken. Worthy instead of worthless. Healed instead of sick. And last week, we began to lean in to understand how we lay hold of, how we embrace the better word that he has to offer. Even choosing faith over fear, choosing to respond instead of to react. And if you want to see the rest of that conversation at heritageqc.com, we have that conversation that you can check out on your own. But today what I want to do is actually lean towards a different word, another better word, a, a space that we can actually begin to understand, a God who works good. Uh, we can embrace and pursue a better word, a better word than loss, a better word than regret, a better word than tragedy, a better word than sorrow. And in fact, Jesus offers us a better word than many of us are holding on to even now. See, when we think about good and goodness, any lasting goodness in the complexity of life comes from God. It doesn't come from government authority or quarantine or social distancing, which those things are important in this season. Good comes from God. Anything good comes from him. In fact, it was the brother of Jesus, whose name was James, and I don't know if you know that Jesus had brothers and sisters. Mary and Joseph had other kids after Mary had Jesus. And the first child was James. And I actually find James to be one of, one of the most, if not the most intriguing person in the Bible aside from Jesus. He was the little brother of Jesus, which meant he would know if Jesus was a legit thing, if, he, if Jesus was faking or not. And James was someone who dedicated his life to making sure people knew the better word that Jesus offered, that he was Messiah. And one of the things that James wrote is captured in what we know to be the book of James. James chapter 1, verse 17. Here's what he said. Every good and perfect gift 
is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. That would be God. Who, now listen, who does not change like shifting shadows. This is, this is great. Great for a couple of reasons. One is that there is the reality of good and perfect gifts that are available. That's awesome. The second reality is that God will continue to bring them because he doesn't change. He gives good and perfect gifts. The question, the burning question for me is how does that really work? Because life is hard. There are spaces of loss and pain. There is illness and disease. It can be hard to make sense of all of those things. We can struggle and feel frustrated and confused because we feel like we're in the dark. And all of that complexity can start just simply feel like we're being slapped around. But I want you to know that there is a way to live. There is a space that we can step into by which we rise above all those things. And we experience the goodness of God. Many of you know that in life's difficulties, in the challenges that we face, that the words of God are helpful. They're life-giving. They, they can be an anchor amidst the storms of life. They can be light in the midst of darkness. Uh, they can bring stability in the midst of instability. There's a lot of good stuff in the Bible, and I really encourage you to take time to dig around in it and study it and learn. And if, if you think, well, I'm not really sure I should trust it. I'm not sure it's trustworthy. I encourage you to get in there and prove that. Because I have found in my life over and over that the Word of God is trustworthy and reliable. And it's out of that understanding that I want to look specifically at something that is woven through Scripture, reiterated over time throughout all of history, that a man by the name of Paul highlighted. It's found in the book of Romans. And if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and click or turn to that now. Romans chapter 8. Romans is the sixth book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. And as you're turning there and before we read what we're going to be looking at, it's important to understand that the relationship between God and Paul was complicated at times. There was a season in Paul's life where, where he was essentially an enemy of God, but later would become a great advocate of God. There was a season where, where Paul was taking part in having people killed, seeing people killed in the name of God, <laughs> but later he would actually be killed for the name of Jesus. He had some issues with Jesus early on, but over time, he would begin to understand the better word that Jesus offers. And he would live his life for Jesus, and he would even die for Jesus. And would arguably become the greatest missionary and church planter of all time. So out of a space of kind of a rough and sordid past, Paul says something in Romans, verse 28. He says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good, of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's simple, that's clean, it's clear, it's powerful, it's hopeful. I actually think this passage might be the most hopeful and helpful passage in the whole Bible, especially as we navigate days like we navigate today. And I have seen what Paul has declared here in action, in life. I am an army veteran and a former state trooper, and I have spent more than 20 years in a variety of ministry spaces, and I have seen what Paul declares to be true and reliable. I have seen God work good in some of the best and worst dynamics of life and know that what Paul is saying at its core is really offering a better word. 
a, a better word than victim of circumstances, a better word than stuck in regret, a, a better word than our past has to define us. There is a better word. There's, there's a better word than no good can come from the awful, tragic, painful things of our life. God can work in the improbable and the impossible. He is more than able. Nothing is too hard for him. And he works good out of all things for those who love him. Now, I think that sounds good, that there can be good. But again, the question becomes, how does that actually work? How do we experience that? Well, rather than just let you try to figure that out on your own or process on your own all of the different kisses and slaps of life, perhaps you would allow me to share with you how I have seen God work good out of all things in my life, in the lives of other people, over and over again in all kinds of circumstances. You see, we serve a God who is unchanging, the Lord God of all flesh. He does not change, but He is a God of love. He himself is love. He does nothing apart from love. And as an unchanging God of love, he is constantly at work. He works. He works actually in all things. So an unchanging God of love works in all things. Now how he works may not be what we expect or when we expect. In fact, there's actually two things he does. He either orchestrates or allows. Our God orchestrates or allows. He, he orchestrates a number of things. He orchestrates things that are right and good and true. He orchestrates righteousness and holiness. But he, he also orchestrates things that are difficult, even painful and hard, always for our good and for his glory. He orchestrates all kinds of things. Yet he also allows things. He allows sin and evil. He doesn't orchestrate sin and evil. He never does, but he does allow it. And whether he's orchestrating or allowing in all the things that he's doing, he's positioning good. It's a space for good to come about. Uh, something better. So an unchanging God who is Lord of all humanity, who loves, who is love, and we love because he first loved us, is at work all the time. Nothing is too hard for him. In fact, he is omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He is omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. And he is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. And as he works out of that space, he seeks to work good in all things, to offer a better word. The question for me in this is then, well, what's our part? How do we play in this? And if we're someone who's willing to respond to his love with our own love for him, this is the space by which we play. This is our part. To love him in response to his love and to love others outside of, as a result of his love. Uh, to live a life of love. How we live this out is really described in the Bible. The Bible talks about how to live a life of love all over the place. But it starts first and foremost with a relationship with God through Jesus. And out of a relationship with God through Jesus, we can step into a space of experiencing His goodness if we're willing to live a life of love, to be a people who love Him. So I think the question becomes, what is it that needs to happen in this space for you to experience His goodness? What has He invited you to do, asked you to do, waiting for you to do, so that He can work good out of what He has orchestrated or allowed in life? This is not our burden to bear. 
that God is constantly doing the things around us. This is the space for us. This is our privilege. This is our part. It is by his power that this comes about, but we have a part to play in it. So what is the part that he's asking you to play in this season? What's the space of trust? The the space of obedience or faithfulness? A space of honor? A, A space of consistently submitting to his authority? What is he needing next in this space to be able to bring goodness into your life? I I have actually walked this in a number of seasons, publicly and privately, big and small ways. Sometimes I've handled this well and sometimes I haven't. One of the most significant spaces that I've walked this has been in the journey around my mom's health. My my mom was diagnosed with ovarian cancer very early in life for her, too early for me. And after 13 years of battling that cancer, she lost her battle. Again, far too early in my opinion. It was in that season that I was faced with a choice of whether or not that I would remain in a posture of love and allow God to work good out of what he had orchestrated and what he had allowed or not. Because he had done both in that season. He had allowed cancer. I don't believe he orchestrated it. He had allowed it though. But he had also orchestrated some things where my family and I moved physically to be near my parents. And in that season, connected into a church that ultimately I would leave law enforcement and step into ministry. And I don't believe that I would be in ministry today, even doing what I'm doing now, if it weren't for God working good out of what had been orchestrated and allowed in my choice to love him in the midst of that complexity. He works all things for the good of those who love him. And as you're processing what needs to happen in this space in your life to experience the goodness of God, I want to remind you of a reality that how we live now influences what he does next. How we live today influences how he responds to us next. I'm not talking about how much he loves us. That never changes. I'm talking about what he's able to do in and through us. What we do now influences what he ultimately does next. If we're willing to live in a posture of love towards him, if we're willing to be faithful to him in whatever he's orchestrating and allowing, even if we don't understand, if we're willing to create space for him to work good out of all things, he will. He will work all things for the good of those who love him. It starts first with loving him, but then always being willing to trust him, even in the complexity. Even when we can't see. Even when we can't make sense of what's happening around us because he can. Even when we can't, he can. Even when we don't, he does. And even when we won't, he will. Anything and everything God invites us to, asks us to lean into, is an opportunity for him to work good, if we'll let him. Because ultimately, good in any dynamic comes from God. Good comes from him. Every good and perfect gift comes from him if we let him he wants to work good in your life he wants to work good in everybody's life but he's only able to work good in the lives of those who are rightly related before him living in a relationship of love the question is will we position ourselves to allow him to do that Will we position ourselves in a relationship of love through jesus and if you want to experience the goodness of god today it starts with choosing jesus as Savior and Lord, receiving him, asking for forgiveness. There's a note guide connected to this message that has some simple steps to lean into that kind of relationship and a prayer that you can pray. If you're willing to do that today, you can step into his goodness and watch him begin to work good out of all things.
He wants to do it if we will let him, if we'll position ourselves in a posture of love toward him and toward others. What do you need to do now to experience what he has next? I want to take a moment to pray together and I invite you to, consider, to continue to consider where he's asking you to step, what he's asking you to trust him in, where he's inviting you to love so that he can work what has been orchestrated or allowed, all things for good and for his glory. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God of love. I thank you that you respond to our faithfulness with yours. I thank you that through Jesus, we can experience a better word. And that you as a God who does not change, who does nothing apart from love, that you are constantly working in all things for our good and for your glory. May you find us to be a people who allow you to do that by positioning ourselves in faithfulness, in obedience, in trust, even in seasons of complexity where we can't make sense of what we are experiencing and hearing around us. We know you see, we know you are good, and there is nothing too difficult for you. So in these next few moments, Lord Jesus, may you speak and lead. Show us each where you're calling us to step in faithfulness so that you can work good in all things. We pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen.